episode of discussion document discussion how, how could we have just spoke for 20 i knew we should have done this i knew we should have done this at night <laughs> i've just had some cart door and with caramel wait this is this is the thing about you matt when i work with you I, I, i'll ring you up and you go two seconds i'll be 20 minutes i'm just eating a crisp <laughs> <laughs> and then Matt's got a way to fucking work his digestive system. Oh, man, it's that cart door. The minute the microphone goes on, we just spoke for 20 minutes, didn't stumble over a word once. The minute I see that little red light, I'm like, fucking hell, the pressure for people who won't even hear us. Yeah, this would be cut you to Matt's vanity. Um, right, so discussing documentaries. We got it with uh, me, Matt Wills, and Rick Wharton. Today is quite a special recording for us. Because it's been. Oh, thank God he hit the today correctly. This could have been. This could have been an hour U-turn on this one. It's been chosen by one of our financial backers, Nick Graham. So thank you, Nick. And if you wish to support us, the same that the way Nick does, get onto Patreon.com or Coffee.com, and we are discussing documentaries on both of those. You can find us. Or do you know what? A really easy way to cut out all of the. Uh, if you don't want to do the coffee thing. Just PayPal us some money. Discussing documentaries at gmail.com. So easy. And you don't have to log into Patreon. Although, personally, if you go to Patreon, bonus content, and it's good shit, right? What documentary are you doing today, oh, Matt? today, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you little corporate fucking shill. Look at that. Nick Graham's made us advertise more than we've ever had on any other episode. We're just so blown away by her. Um, so today... Matt is clearly not is. used to compliments. Oh, no. Play it cool like you've been yeah. here before. <laughs> so, Miss Graham has chosen Voyeur from the year 2017. It's on Netflix, directed by Miles Kane and John... Curry. Uh, there's no money, there's no accolades. And here's the blurb. Legendary journalist Gay Talisi unmasks a motel owner who spied on his guests for decades, but his bombshell story soon becomes a scandal of its own. Rick, lead us in. Right, well, lead just, us in on this one. Just quickly, because, uh, yeah, I, as we say, this, this was uh, a selection by uh, someone who very kindly donated and Matt Sauer, public liaison officer for for the podcast for the time being, and the when we got a message being. of the for the time being, yeah, I don't I don't like the idea that I'm being cut what? out of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust this little. I feel like creep. I'm on probation. It's like he's not going to pass his probation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was a set of this list of uh, documentaries, and the documentaries were four that I've seen and really liked, and this one. And then at the bottom of the message, she went, and I'm not going to apologize to bloody Rick for my choice. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no apology necessary. Trust me, hoop dreams is in my list of things to do. It was almost like I was speaking to the female Rick in her choices. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. Can we have, uh, can we have someone who wants some happy documentaries? Well, as you can see, the way the money's flowing, no, no, no you cannot. <laughs> People want to torture a nice guy. That's the way it's looking. Right, so... No, they're good documentaries. It's not about torturing you, you've been. Well, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's all about me, Rick. It's... 
Now, but one of the things, when we were discussing which one to do, Matt said something when we said voyeur. He went, oh, yeah, that's happened to me. And I went, great. I want to hear about it on the podcast. Yeah, that has happened to me. Well, lead us in and I'll, I'll tell you my horrible story. So voyeur is basically the guy who ran the Bates Hotel <laughs> if it wasn't a movie. <laughs> Because the, the opening scene is describing everything that happens in the Bates Hotel other yeah. than the murder. And it's the it, it's almost as if Norman Bates is narrating. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, he's in the documentary from yes. the beginning. Yeah, this yeah. Guy who, 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 who did all the people yeah. people. What I like about the word voyeur, when you say peeping Tom, you're like, ooh, it's a bit dirty. But you add a French word to it, voyeur, it sounds cool. You're like, oh, okay. That's not so bad, is it? Well, it's really funny because... The way I learned the word voyeur is when Jose Mourinho called Arsene Wenger a voyeur. And I didn't even know that was an offensive word until Arsene Wenger goes, who the fuck are you calling a voyeur? Is it, is it <laughs> if offensive? If you call him a little peeping Tom, hey, it implies that you're watching people having sex without their consent. I would say, I'd, I'd be very concerned if people just flat out referred to me as a voyeur. Yeah, I guess so. But he's not the guy in this. So there's the two main characters in this. Gay Talisi, he's the journalist. Quite a prominent journalist, right, in, in American circles. And the bloke who has the hotel is called Gerald Foos, who, if you want to look alike in your head for what Gerald Foos is, he is like a slightly more overweight Leo Getz from Lethal Weapon 2, played by Joe Pesci. Whatever, Leo, whatever you want, Leo Getz. Do you get it? They fuck you at the drive through. Him. This I is this is I that guy. He looks like he's in witness protection, Gerald Foos. Right. <laughs> yeah, De Niro at the end of Casino is like, yeah, okay. After all this time, I can still watch people jerk off, so I'm okay. <laughs> basically, he. It's just, it's almost it's two documentaries in one. This one, and the first half, I watched it with my sister-in-law, and my missus was working next to us, and she kept going. What did he just say? What? What? Yeah. What the it's, fuck? It, there is some, there, there, there is some weird, weird moments in this one. So, um, so we meet Gay Talisi. So he's an eighty-year-old reporter, and what what I love about people in New York, they're they're like me. They think the world revolves around them. So he says, "I live in a in a brownstone. <laughs> it's a fucking house. What do you mean a brownstone? It's just a house with stairs up." Up on the outside. That's all it is. Didn't even clock that. There was that much crazy shit being said on that. Uh, the comment on how he gloated about his house just shows the difference now financial. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even know that was a. Didn't even know that was a brag. <laughs> oh, that that's was a that was Jose Mourinho dropping the word voyeur as an insult. <laughs> and he um, he dresses nicely because his dad was a tailor. I was very envious of his wardrobe. He looks he looked beautiful, man. He just the way he dresses. He was he had a bit of class about him, Gay Talisi. Um. And basically, he's he tracks his stories like you wouldn't believe, right? He's a hoarder, Gay Talisi. He's a the, he he keeps bits yeah. of paper on every story he's ever written. Well, that was that was one of the few red flags I had during this because it's just like, don't show me an old man in front of spell checking a word document, okay? If you've got like if you've got a good shit to tell us, tell us, but don't have him just going, yeah, how you spell this. <laughs> Um, and he's basically pursuing a great story and it's about Gerald who's buying a motel so he can spy on people. Simple as that. Well, he'd bought one. He bought this in wait, that 
becomes debatable, but eighty nine is and when he, buys he used. One. And basically, the reason he he then wrote a letter to Gay Talisi because Gay Talisi wrote um, an article about yeah being a swinger. So right. First up, they they go through Talisi's career. Yeah. Now, what the way I would describe Gay Talisi is kind of Louis Theroux without the morals because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If he starts to write books about sexual liberation and things, he's married two kids, and he goes, yeah, I joined in on the orgies. You can't just sit there and observe. And I'm like... And he's so bold about it. He's so bold-faced. Yeah. And this was in the 70s, right? And and when he goes through him as a kid, you see his hair, and I, I don't think it was a choice he became a journalist like or a news reporter because a careers advisor would be like, nah, not if that comb over, mate. You're going in there. This is... You are you are fucking reading the news, young man. That is your vocation. Um, he reminds me as an older man. Have you ever seen um, Frankie and Grace? Yes. He plays the guy out of newsroom in that. The old brilliant. Dude with the grey Love hair. him. I don't know his name, but yes. Yeah, good shout, man. Good shout. Especially when he starts to get wound up. That's really, he gets really pissy really when he's pissy. wound up. Because yeah. again, because unlike, you know, but because. Because in the beginning, like I said, it's like two documentaries. So in the beginning, like the first documentary, you meet the nice gay Talisi. He's lovely, isn't he? He's like, oh, I'm a reporter. I put in a lot of effort. And uh, Gerald Foss wrote to me and said, because you wrote that article about free love, I think you'd be interested in the fact I bought a motel and then I converted it so that I could go into every room without the residents knowing and I could spy on them. Mainly for the reason that I wanted to watch them having sex. And yeah, the way it gets into it, it's such a weirdly pissed documentary because the thing that's shocking and important, since it's not important to the journalist, it almost becomes a backstory of something far less interesting. So like, it's almost as if, so they start interviewing Gerald Foose. Yeah, yeah. Right, this guy who again sets up a hotel and he can watch you through the ceiling and whatever you're doing, and he wa- he watched people for like thirty years, and um, it. But he's sat there like he's won an Olympic gold medal, and they're asking how he did it with his dedication. <laughs> and, it, I, 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 and it's almost like That's if you exactly imagine what Buffalo like. Bill. Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs going, and yeah, you got to realise I built that well myself <laughs> in the garage, and I think a lot of the hard work paid off with it. Two and a half thousand buckets of soil that was. Uh, got a real good discount on the skips. So it goes in. So it goes into Foo's backstory, and Foo's like, uh, well, first off, and it's a little pet peeve of mine because you are influenced, and things that happened to you as a kid do, like you know, influence kinks and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, but. To put that at the top, go, well, my parents didn't tell me anything about sex. I got to be honest. I don't think they told you anything about fucking investment banking either. You didn't chuck your life into that. (laughs) 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 So he was always fucking curious about sex. And the main thing was, is Aunt Kathy was really hot. Was that It was. It was was his mum's sister, yeah. Catherine. I got her name, actually. Because it was because he said it as if people would know who his sister-in-law was. Sorry, who his aunt was. Um, Catherine. All right, his aunt's name was Catherine Eckhart, and they. Catherine but they Eckhart. said it there as if, go. like, you all know who Catherine Eckhart is, don't you? And it's like 
Should I? Yeah. The lady with the best freckles in the world, apparently. The, the freckles that can create a man into being a sex offender. Yeah, because like, the geese is a fucking monster. I don't care how you put it. Because... Uh, and the minute you say it, you got the because he sent Gay to Lisi this letter in 1980 to come and um, interview him or to learn yes. about his research. I'm like, you didn't shop him. Do you know what I mean? This is this is a crime. You, you are complicit within yeah. a crime. That's where my brain goes to it. No matter how much they fucking normalize it, but he sits on him like a fucking lottery ticket for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, he sweats that relationship out really well, doesn't he? And when Gay Talisi goes and visits him, um, basically, Gerald Foos is, I mean, incredibly eccentric in some respects, but he's a hoarder as well, and he collects, so he writes everything down. So Gay's gone and seen him. He's got 15 years of documents about what everyone's done in his hotel. That's insane. And he goes, he's describing some of that sex could, stuff. You're like, okay. The, the one he described where he couldn't see it and he heard this, bah, bah, bah. And eventually it comes into view and it's one guy dressed as a sheep while another guy has sex with him. Mm, yeah. But even when he starts to go and talk about the weird things people do, it's like, no, you're the fucking weirdo. <laughs> Because, again, there's little parts and elements of it that I would love to have been able to ask questions that were kept in the dark. So, in, for instance, he was married twice. So that was two women that were cooperative right? with it. That's insane. And, and his wife and his current wife, Anita, is there. And they, they basically skim over the fact that she came from, like, a rough marriage yeah. and had a child that was disabled. Um, and they would even come and, like, how he would work all day in the hotel and then spend the all evening in the roof uh, watching people to the point where, like, she would bring him up a sandwich <laughs> while he's doing it. She and bought just... me a can of Coke because, you know, I'd been up there working all night. You're not working. It's not a job. You're a fucking pervert. The fucking Manson family's talking about their holidays. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, we had a guy tied up. Jember, you made spag ball that night. I did, I did, and we had we had trouble finding pasta in the area. Do you remember that? I do remember that, Anita. I do. It's like he it, it did normalize it. Um, I wrote down some of the stuff he said to normalize it. Um, he said first of all, he said his wife is very forgiving. He's trying to make being a pervert right okay because he's using language to just paint a nicer picture about what he's doing. So he said he wasn't a voyeur. Oh, he was a researcher on human behaviour. You're not. And it's one of these little things I love about a documentary because it's just the way he justifies it. He just goes, I always say I'm a researcher. He turns to Anita, his wife, and says, how many times have I told you that I'm a researcher? But that's like me going, you know, I believe I'm better looking than Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve. I'm not. That doesn't I like the make way it you, so. You quantify it to that, like not at any moment on this planet, <laughs> but at that yeah, precise moment. E- the scenes in Benjamin Button, women will still go. Mm. Yeah, no, but, um, <laughs> but he's not, is he? He's a pervert. The same way I'm not as good looking as Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven and Twelve. Because he even says, he goes, "Listen, I wasn't just being a pervert. You can only masturbate about three times an evening. So why would I stay up there and continue to watch them if I wasn't doing research?" <laughs> Um, again, it's like it's like a fucking Olympic fucking ice skater going six in the morning. I used to get up every morning before school. And I used to, dra- <laughs> I used to travel thirty miles to, to the nearest ice rink. <laughs> you don't become the best without dedication. 
And he's saying all of this and his second wife, because his first wife sadly died, and he's saying all of this and his second wife is just sitting there. You know who she looks like? Every dinner lady that smoked I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) As well as Estelle Harris, who played Estelle Costanza in Seinfeld. George Costanza's mum. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Looks a bit like Costanza's mum. Costanza's mum. George! But even even this this sit-down interview is split between them having that interview and them at lunch together having a coffee. Yeah. So right now you can tell this guy's a bit erratic and the and the relationship between them is weird. Yeah, between Gay and Gay and Gerald, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, terms. yeah. It was just weird. But what I did like about Gerald, I know he's a pervert who spied on people for you know years. But what I really liked about him, he wasn't ashamed of it. I think that comes with isolation. Fucking hell, you've watched a lot of Criminal Minds. I've been in the house an awful yeah. lot. Like, this lockdown was Jesus. fucking nothing to me, mate. I was unemployed for so fucking long. Like, I I, I know that when I've, like, you know, done a long stint on my own, and then I'm like, hmm, I've rationalized every bad thing I've ever done. This is the way the world is. And then you go and you talk to another human being, you're like, I know nothing. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't like that guy. But I should stop telling people my opinions. I'm going to so withdraw. So is that what Gerald Foos is, you think? You think he's an isolationist? I, I think he's just in isolation and he's just... Whatever he judges as success is his own fucking barometer because they even, because Gay even asked him, why did you write to me? And he, went, he says, I wanted notoriety. I'd accomplished something. Yeah. And that's when he said, I'm a researcher. And it's just like, so you can tell, like, in little moments, like, he just loves being in the camera. He wants to be famous for it. He wants to be famous, but not for what he's done. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, Yeah, he wants to be... Um, have you heard of Desmond Morris? No. So Desmond Morris studies people. Uh, I think he's a zoologist. He studies animals as well. So I've got his book on dogs and cats. And it, it's fascinating stuff, right? I just with great pictures as well. Um, he wants to be taken like Desmond, and Desmond Morris is considered in his field incredibly good at what he does. And people who know him go, oh yeah, Desmond Morris is brilliant. It's the, He's the macking tire of he, studying he, he, animals, right? Yeah, he can watch the shit out of the <laughs> draft. Look at him. No, no one. Brings a pack lunch, notepad. Fuck who hasn't seen professional and dedication like well, this. Since young Attenborough. He's, he's compared to a young Attenborough. He doesn't film them. That's the one problem with him. He doesn't film them. He just tells us that he watched them for nine hours. But that's what Gerald Foos wants, isn't it? He wants that respectability because he thinks he's done something great. I know. And he's just like, and it's not about the sex. It's about human behavior. And then he goes, I kept scorecards for the sex. You want to see them? (laughs) It's kind of like... What about one night, really good looking couple checked in and they go to have sex and the man turned out the light. And he goes, who does that? The weirdos? I know, I know. No, you're the fucking dick, Gerald. You're the fucking dick. Not this poor person. This is how much of a cock he was, although you've got to admire. Gerald gets shit done, right? He's He's been at the Matt Wills school, this guy, because he wants to see this good-looking couple have sex. So he goes outside, gets in his car, drives his car up to outside their room, puts his headlights on full beam, Goes back into the motel, back up to the little ladder, back along the rafters of the roof, 
back in the thing so he could watch the couple have sex. And the bloke went, some idiot's left his lights on. What an idiot. Yeah, what, what do you think that? Would, you, would that not cross your mind? I th- well, okay, well, th- that leads us nicely into my story. All right. Because this what, um, here's why. This is what chose this documentary this for me. Otherwise, we'd be watching <laughs> hoop dreams and me telling you about how I was a fucking great point guard at the age of nine. So you tell me there, pal. Um, so I met a girl in Thailand and I moved in with her the next day. And then for just we we were inseparable, right? For was it was was it in an office of a guy with a really big nose and a flat cap introducing <laughs> yeah. you, Matt? No, it was. Uh, th- there may have been some alcohol involved and a lot of cigarettes and a lot of. Have you heard of a fuck bucket? What's a fuck bucket? So it's a little bucket and you fill it up with straws, and then you fill it up with two bottles of mini whiskey, um, which are about a quart of whiskey basically. So it's about half a bottle of whiskey, like a fishbowl. Yeah, like a fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's but a lot it was more a... pleasant than what I was picturing. When you, no, you, you get a bucket, right, and you fill it with straws. Now, you wouldn't believe that's similarly as pubic hair, but once it's been doused in whiskey, it does actually get the fucking tenacity correct within the straws. It was called a fuck bucket. Yeah, right. And then you add in some uh, little... This is in Thailand. So then these little bottles of Red Bull, which are cut with speed, you chuck them in, and then chuck in a couple of cans of Coke, and there you go. you got your fuck bucket. So, yeah, we did about 15, 16 of them and over about, I don't know, 12, 15 hours. Yeah, and that was it. We were, we were then boyfriend and girlfriend. You need structure and discipline <laughs> in your life, man. Yeah. You, you, you flew too close to the sun <laughs> and now, now you fucking behave. Do your squats and start eating <laughs> special right, coffee yeah. and no carbs. Spinach. Um, so, we eventually end up in India and we're in Delhi and. We're in, they're basically, it's like a huge warehouse, but... It's weird, because whenever you tell a story from this period, Matt, you sound like a druggy spy. So it's just like, oh. so then we're behind the red curtain, all right? And if, <laughs> if you've never been in the Kremlin, right, there's a guy who does great coke. I don't remember his face <laughs> name or how I got out <laughs> of there. tell him I sent you. Brilliant sandwiches. Anyway, so now I'm in <laughs> Delhi. <laughs> So we're in Delhi, and then think of a big warehouse, and then basically they just section off the rooms with a bit of bit of cardboard. But you've got a feeling of privacy, but the cardboard doesn't reach the ceiling. Right. And then we saw these mirrors everywhere, and I'm like, oh, that's a bit fucking weird. But we ended up having sex anyway, right? Cause you, God bless cause, you. Because yeah. you just don't think about it, right? Because you're like, no, because we were young and, you know. So, yeah, we had a bit of nookie and then basically a few days later, I was just sitting there and I was listening to a bloke speak and he was talking about how, yeah, he spies on everyone with the mirrors. And suddenly I was like, oh, fuck it. Oh, that's what their mirrors are for. Of course it is. And he was, yeah, he was like a very much a Gerald Foos character. I was like, ugh, checking out. I'm done. And I hope my ex doesn't listen to this because she'd be horrified at that. Yeah, it's good that you didn't mention the sheep costume. (laughs) (laughs) And it always disgusted me. And I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't fucking punch him. You were happy, that's why. Yeah, maybe. My mate always reminds me of that. A married couple would punch him. Yeah, maybe. 
drunken flinging death from between Delhi and Thailand. All oh, right, never coming back to this place again. <laughs> I, my mate, one night I went to punch Bobby Davro in the face because right? <laughs> he was having a go at uh, little people in a toilet. No way. And I, I got so fat. Yeah, at the Edinburgh Festival, and I got so wound up, and I was hammered, proper hammered. And I came out and I said to my mate, that fucking Bobby Davro having a go at little people. You should leave my fucking people. I'm going to fucking go and hit him. And my mate went, I, I don't think that's a wise idea. And I went, what do you fuck? And I started having a go. And my mate completely distracted me from going to punch Bobby Davro, who, weirdly enough, about four years later, stood next to me at a gig where I was the MC, And he went, oh, she's good, isn't she, that girl? And I went, yeah, yeah, she's really good. And he was like, all right, I'm Bob. I went, oh, Bob, how are you, man? Nice to meet you. I didn't know it was Bobby Davro until afterwards. Cause then I've got a I've got a story about him. Bobby Davro? Funny enough, yeah, he played Rick Wharton Bingo right there. So I'm working, Oh, wow. Uh, I'm doing the phone shop in Cobham again. I've mentioned that because whenever I mention my employment history, it's that. nothing that. <laughs> The tugs at your heartstrings to hit that fucking Patreon button. It's it's Rick Watton talking about his job prospects. So it's all the manager who'd hired us, he's left. It's between me and a fucking absolute workhorse Ghanaian lad called Delitzo. I've just been running the store for six weeks. We had to work seven days a week, deal with everything. And again, you can imagine how much I needed to be carried because as much as I was willing to be there, not let them down, I couldn't do any of the technical shit on fucking anything. Anyway, and then this last got made manager S um, and came in and basically the, the numbers weren't good. So she just blamed the staff within like an instant and wanted to. She actually told us she wanted to walk us out of the business. And there was a whole bunch of stuff. So we started fucking around with like little things like. Um, I can't even remember, but I remember I told you the door sensor thing when he went, how have you sold no phones yeah, when yeah. 77 I went for people went out? Cigarettes. Yeah. How, how come you didn't sell any phones when 40 people have, uh, came in and out? Oh, I went for it's 20 cigarettes. 20 so. facts. Um, and they would go and check the CCTV and no one was coming in because Cobham in the summer, they're so rich, they're away at holiday homes and that. So where they're in is like being like some ridiculous threatening to fire you but if you know the handbook you get an official warning then this and then that and i only needed a few more weeks like a cop waiting to get so you're on a yellow card yeah where they're talking about the yellow card as if she can instantly dismiss me and i've got two i've got one more wage i need to get the fucking to be able to afford the stag do that i got the job to fucking be able to afford to go and do so anyway there was some weird one when i decided instead of just apologizing go well no you can't actually do that in fact i would rather have this talk of a union rep oh did they wait weeks to send the union rep out looks like it's me and you in the store for a few more weeks until that happens that kind of fucking thing and um so she just had some fucking monumental go at me for something. And is this a, a fucking silence? Is me and her just looking into the abyss? And again, throughout all this time of me being told about me, me phone figures, no one's came in the store in two weeks at this point. And then and there's this silence and you're tapping away on this small little iPad. And uh, Bobby Davro walks in. Hey! Going, ah! Bobby Davro, and then I recognise him. Obviously, I watched. I remember the bungle. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm going for my Rolex one. It was a fucking zippy impression he used to do, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Okay. He was a great. And the comic. last who's the manageress? She was like 21 at the time. 21, 22. Um, didn't have a fucking clue who he was at all. But like, I remember the Peter Kear song. I remember him doing the zippy impression. I've got good recall on one or two things. 
So the fact I recognised him and he heard my accent, we had a little crack on about a charity gig. Um, I went, ah, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't know. You'll have to take, like, you know, what's her face, Naz, a bit more about this. And there's no one else in, so she has to, like, she, she'll... But he doesn't realise that she doesn't know who the fuck he is. So when she's looking through it, he starts doing his fucking zippy impression. <laughs> 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 I don't know, you know what I know. He's <laughs> just like, who's this fucking Fruit Loop? This guy knows off the comedy circuit. I don't find any of them funny. And he's like trying to be flirt. I don't, I don't want to see who's trying to be flirtatious, but he was giving it a bit more to try and be funny to her than what it was to me. And fucking, yeah, it was just so funny watching him run through the gambit of his zippy and bungle impressions while this woman's trying to work out how he gets his emails on a Samsung. <laughs> Did he buy a phone? No, he just needed something fixed on his phone. And she, when he left, he went, why don't you try and upsell him from a Samsung? I'm like, it's fucking Bobby Davro. He's clearly going to buy Coke around. <laughs> <laughs> he wants his email for his dealer. That's it. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was... Uh... Right, so back to Gerald Foos. So... Gay has decided he's going to write an article because it's been 30 years and he's going to write an article about Gerald and well, he's the hotel. Finally got, he's finally got permission to do so and they're writing a book is the thing. So it's a book they're working on. A book is the financial cash cow. What they've said is now that it's been this amount of time, in their minds, a statue of limitations has ran out so he can't get in trouble yes. for doing it, Gerald Foos. Yeah, yeah. And the book's called The Voyeur's Motel. Um, Just quickly, there was one or two other things on the weird shit he did. So people were getting There was a ton of weird enough. things he did on the shit, yeah. like a ton of them. But he started, he started to leave porn and dildos in the room. Oh, my like, God. What the actual fuck? Yeah, I, I can just imagine him leaving like his, his Aunt Cat- Kathy's fucking flannel shirts there. <laughs> but if you went into a hotel room, right, with your lass and you found a sex toy, you wouldn't use it, would you? No, no. You wouldn't. That... My girlfriend would be disgusted when she comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> she walks out of the bathroom with a towel around her head. What the fuck? <laughs> It's the white, it's not mine. That's not an excuse. But then he tells a story of a guy, like, and again, the, when he tries to make a customer sound like the bad people, you, it, almost, it just winds you up because he's like, the guy ate KFC and he, he wiped his hand on the bed. <laughs> I'm like, son of a bitch. And he's just, <laughs> the napkins are right there, motherfucker. And the bloke heard him. Starts going, who the fuck said that? Yeah, and he really hated it when they didn't have sex, which again is when he tries to go, I'm a researcher, it's about human contact, it's about it's about their interaction and things. Yeah, it's not, it's about your weird kink. And it's okay, I've, I, I think it's okay for him to admit it, but to follow up on it is, there's something wrong about that, right? Because you're breaking a privacy. If you go it's into a, a hotel room... It's, it's got to be a crime, yeah. It's got to be. That's why they waited 30 years right, to tell yeah, the story. Yeah. Um, and this is like again, it starts to fucking seep into you. Like, oh, this gear Talisi, he's sat on this and had to put up with this fucking loon for thirty years because he wants an exclusive. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says he saw a murder. Yes. So this story becomes very th- th- like part of the main theme, which is there's a drug dealer staying there and he's selling drugs to kids. Right there. He's not going to the police, and you think, did he hot door someone or did someone OD because of that? No, no. And they say one of Fu's children, which they're not in the documentary, surprisingly enough, um, 
Yeah, maybe Foos ain't a real name. Had a had a drug problem. Uh, so what he did is he waited for the drug dealer to go out. He went into where he was hiding the drugs in the wall, took them out, flushed them, put the empty bag back in, then goes back to watch. The drug dealer comes back in with his girlfriend and basically no one else could have... No one knew where they were. Other than the girlfriend. Yes. So this girlfriend's now being slapped about. And he's doing act-outs of her being slapped about. Yeah. At no point is he going to the police at this point. You know what I mean? No. There's fucking domestic abuse going on. He's saying that. And AC's he's a strangler. To be and... fair, he she she puts up by his description... He goes and she hit him. She kicked him in the groin. She punched him in the face. He went down. And then the drug dealer gets back up again. And he's describing like quite a fight. And then eventually, yeah, the drug dealer starts strangling his girlfriend. Because from the drug dealer's point of view, in his defense, she did steal the drugs. If only, if only it it wasn't true. Fucking KFC on the sheets. She might have been fucking saved in this story. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And. And it, but this, when he's retelling, he's going, come on, come on, man, let her go, let her go, man. It's like, no, you go. You go and fucking ring the police, you creep. If you could go out in your car, move your car around yeah. and turn on the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, lights, yeah. you could go around and knock on the door and go, hi, everything okay in there? Exactly, exactly. And then um, he goes, I swear, when I went, when I left and went to bed, um, her chest was moving. So even then, he's still just looking at her tits. Even fucking <laughs> then, there's nothing to do with human behavior. And then he says that the fucking the paramedics came in the morning, the coroners. Yeah, because the cleaning lady found the dead body and went, oh, Mr. Foo's dead body. He was like, ah, shit. They might uncover... And this is how selfish he is. They might uncover my hiding spots. What a... Ugh. And at the end of the story, went, I may have something to do with this. Might you? Might. No, no, you have. Yeah, she died because of you. You caused it. Yeah, he did. That's exactly fucking and, and caused then, it. And then it goes through modern day. So the timeline of modern day is this book is about to be released. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to, so they're going to get an article in the New, the New Yorker. And have you ever read the, the New Yorker? Yorker. No. Because it pops up in a few documentaries, right? It's a it's a big respected publication. It is, isn't it? New yeah. York City is like the media center. Yeah, bit like uh, the, I'm pretty sure is that what Dylan Farrow? Yeah, maybe. Did? Yeah, yeah. Or that, that might be in the Washington Post. Yeah, when I think, I think it might have been the Washington Post. But there's a few there publications couple... that hold they hold great sway, don't they, in people's minds? Yeah, and I think the New York. It's kind of like for for comedy, like all, all the reviews are great, and then once you get the one that says the Times, who gives a fuck what anyone else says? Like, yes, yeah, yeah. Never give out five stars, though, do they? Uh, they've never been at one of my gigs. If they have, they were there in a non-official <laughs> capacity. Rick Walton, 4.9 No, that stars. did happen once, actually. That, that was a gig. You got reviewed by the Times. No, no, no. A guy comes. That was amazing. I worked for the Times. I went, oh, cool. You're reviewing. He goes, oh, no, no. I'm just, just watching. Some fucking specky twat of a blog. I thought he was me. I went for Elon Musk. Really? Yeah, Dartford. I work in the Tesla shop in Blue Water. Um, and then they go through what the hotel looks like now. He goes, don't worry. When I sold the hotel, I patched up all the vents. And you can see, he basically would like put a sheet of paper across it and then painted it. And it's like... <laughs> he wrote on there in a Sharpie, don't look under here. <laughs> just... 
what I quite liked, if you're into this sort of thing, I've, I found this really effective in the documentary. They build a bit like, um, you know, in Why Did You Kill Me? They had the mock-up of the streets and the houses and where yeah. the cars are. Yeah, yeah, On this yeah, one, yeah. So they've got the model of the hotel. They have a mock-up of it, a yeah. little hotel. And the bit where he says, yeah, and as a, you know, I used to leave a, a, a suitcase in there. And as the people were checking in, I would go, oh, hang on. So someone's left a suitcase in one of the rooms with a thousand dollars in it. And then I'd go and see when the guests checked in because they overheard that conversation to see if they'd done anything. And then that was all sort of acted out in this miniature doll's house version of the hotel. I, yeah. I, I don't know why I really enjoyed that. It was the littleness it, of it. It, it. Again, because that is better than seeing someone sat at a Word document with a massive Mac screen making me think, why don't I have a better laptop? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I hate those. I hate little stock footage beside. So having that as a visual representation, that's 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 fine by me. Um, he he watched between two to three thousand people a year. Um, he said the sex isn't boring; it's real. I've, I've had real sexes. No, no need to show off there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Right? I mean, not often, but once in India, and <laughs> um. I just liked his honesty, Foos. I really, really did. But then he said he didn't like dogs. And I'm like, ah, oh, you can fuck off, mate. Yeah, because yeah, dogs could see him. Yeah. Dogs could sense him being in around yeah. there, yeah. And and he gets Gay Talisi into the hotel, doesn't he? So when... Well, that's a big thing, yeah. So that, that, then you really, I really disliked that element. Like, I mean, yeah, I didn't like him from that point on because Gay Talisi goes in to, to prove that he did it. Yeah. And he's then watching people having sex. Yeah. And his Whiffle. tie slips through the vent. Yeah, his tie slipped through yeah. the vent. And he tells that as a kind of jokey little story going, nearly got caught. It's like, yeah, but you nearly got caught doing something fucking creepy and illegal. Yeah. Not, oh, when cover was blown on fucking investigating this illegal ice cream stand. No, you were, like, again, then complicit, then a part yeah, of it, yeah. in my opinion. Um, And then, and because, I think the reason he justifies that, because he, the same way that, Gerald justifies doing what he's doing. Gay Talisi justifies what he's doing because he's like, yeah, but I'm a reporter for the New Yorker, so it's okay. No, it fucking ain't no, okay. he's taking that story to the New Yorker. But, he doesn't work for but, the New Yorker. But at the time, he's a he's a reporter, though, and it, that's just how he's justifying it. You can just justify anything in your head. You'll just carry on doing it, right? No matter what that bad thing is. It's the same as in the yeah. Patreon show in McMillions. You know, they... They just justify it and go, well, I needed to. I was in, you know, so therefore I can do this because I can. I can say imagine I've done him storming, uh, storming out of his family home going, some of us have important work to do while he's putting on his, his fucking velvet scarf and his fucking exorcist hat and his perverse rain jacket and going, excuse me, I have to go to an orgy to ask them if they enjoy having sex with multiple partners. Some of us have to put food on the table. <laughs> like. His wife was so accepted about his lifestyle. Well, his, his wife had even said that, like, look, I'm more annoyed about the press attention it got because, yeah. again, it was a very straight list. They have him on Donahue. Now, Donahue's a dick. I've seen him on a few things, and he's the one grilling them going, why are you doing this? Like, Yeah. Well, they had him on friend of the show, uh, friend of the podcast, Johnny Carson. He pops up again. Again, I think he's been in more documentaries than Louis Farouk. Uh 
And then you see more and more real time. Yeah. And I think this is the Netflix people going down to see Gerald now. So yeah. like this is a Netflix original. So he's then um showing you that he's like his house is just full of guns, loves his guns. Uh and then his memorabilia is just This is where I freak the fuck out. So this is when I start basically going, Nick Graham, who chose this, what the fuck are you doing? Now she doesn't know all of my childhood hang ups, right? It's not her fault. She's only just met us. She's listened to a few episodes. But I can't watch horror movies, right? And the reason for that is because of a Jane Fonda film. Jane Fonda from uh, Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, She was in a film that I watched with my dad when I was, I must have been about seven years old. It's called Chucky or something. No, Barbarella. Have you seen that? Barbarella, no. I've right. seen the Simpsons Pistic Boobarella. Right, okay. Barbarella. Right. So it's a it's a sci-fi classic, but in it she gets attacked by these little porcelain like dolls that have got these little sharp teeth and they look like his doll collection. Mate, I didn't sleep last night because of that. I <laughs> I genuinely I was terrified to go to bed. That's it just it triggered me off. I was proper like I was sitting there last night. My missus, when you come to bed, I went, yeah, in a minute, in a minute. I'm not going to go upstairs. The fucking dolls will get me. And if she sees one of them dolls while we're out, because obviously she's heard me go on about it, and she's, she, I get night terrors, right? So when I wake up screaming, she's like, was it the dolls? I'm like, yes, it was the fucking dolls. <laughs> so, so yeah, if we're out and she sees a doll then like that. the guy next door going, yeah, that guy that I watch fucks really weird about dolls <laughs> yeah. now, apparently. I'll call you <laughs> But if we see a doll like that when I'm out and she can get her hands on it, she'll chase me with it. <laughs> it's going to get you. And I'm like, fuck off. Because that is a shame that you're scared of dolls because a Matt Wills doll is achievable and you can really scare the shit out of her. Oh, it's terrifying. Them dolls are proper scary. And George Costanza, there's, again, there's another one in Seinfeld. He has a doll like that that he gets from his gets stolen, I think, from his mum's house. Oh, we had a Kenny, so we had a Kenny Daglish figurine, and since like if you think of Newcastle ninety five, ninety six, we were world class, and then Keegan left. We got Kenny Daglish, and we sold Ferdinand Ginola and all them, and we just that was the first time in our lifetime that Newcastle was bad. So this Kenny Daglish doll, like the little bobblehead figurine, got like a solder and iron tucked to it, <laughs> and then and then buried in the garden. But what I would do is I would like I would unbury it, and like if my brother was playing Champ Man, I would just put it on the thing, looking at him, pointing at him. <laughs> And then it was, that was like the cursed doll. Oh, I fucking hate dolls. Anyway, that I'm sure that wasn't Nick Graham's fault. I, I'm sure it wasn't intentional. I'm sure you should stop name dropping in case you're self-conscious on yeah, that, Matt. You no, don't want to... freaking out, man. That proper scared me. So we... Um, the report... She goes to the the um, the New Yorker, and they're kind of concerned there's only one source to the story. And a lot of it, I mean, the only thing that ties it together is the fact Gates Tlisi went there once and saw him doing it. Yes, yeah, yeah. So at least he's witnessed it, right? So he knows it's yeah. real. And he is a good and reporter. I mean, he's incredibly well-respected. Within the, the, the sex orgy community, no one gives a better <laughs> representation of banging three housewives at the same time. Like, this guy, he's he, he, <laughs> But she says, doesn't she, the woman he's working for in The New Yorker says, you know, I thought this... This guy thinks he's doing something great. He's not. He's he he he's uh what did she call him? Man, my notes all over the fucking shop today. We haven't gone in order on this one. Have you noticed that? It's because it chops between previous real and happening and running through story. Like it's not. 
Um, yeah, we're we're trying to do it in a we linear. Would, we aren't would we? find we would find and meet this weirdo at the end. We wouldn't have him fucking sitting there chatting to you about his fucking cup of tea throughout. So the publisher says, she says to Gay, "I'm glad you didn't see much of him because you run the risk of then this story being creepy. It it is creepy. Yeah, remarkably creepy. Yeah." yeah. But then Gay says, oh, this guy isn't creepy. He's a square guy. No, check your fucking, check your monitor on Listen, what a square guy is. This is not a square is, guy. He's built a motel I, so we can spy on people. I started to get little flashbacks of a movie that I've seen that not many people have seen, which is called The Night Listener. No. So Tell me more. It was a Robin Williams movie. Yeah. And it was optimistically billed as the new Sixth Sense. Right, okay. All right. Now, we went across to Bolden with Mamie Brother's mate. Uh, Amy Brother. Drove across, went to the summit. No one is in there except for one couple in their, like, mid-40s and wearing um, teens in their 20s. So there's, like, a couple sat two rows in front of us. And then there's us in the back row. And the opening scene, Robin Williams goes into the house, kisses his boyfriend, and the guy out of the couple in front of us went, come on, Sheila, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> stood up <laughs> and walked out. And, like, it was just something about the way it was, no, nope, not for me. <laughs> just the way he walked out, cracked up. But in that movie, it was about a woman um, selling her book about this abused child and she, how she would call this radio station. And it was all about how they won't release the book until it's fact-checked. And it was just, the, the big surprise was she was the little girl that would ring up doing a voice. Wow. So so the level of, like, basically something Ooh, being... You, make, you give me the heebie-jeebies. Something being publici- uh, published is on the grounds of factual. Like, people with money do go into that. And you can tell... Throughout, Gay is getting more and more concerned about how much of this shit is true yeah. and how much of this is for him because they can't find any record of this woman that got murdered. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, why would he make it up? That makes him like the least sympathetic character of all time if he was to make that up, yeah. that story. And we go in and we meet uh, Gerald in his house and then you see Gerald's a hoarder, right? And you see his baseball card collection. And he going, he went, yeah, I've got like a million baseball cards. How, how do you know? He didn't sit there and yeah. count a million cards. The things you get caught up on, Matt, never cease to amaze me. Well, because um, it pops. The reason I'm mentioning that now. That does. Because it that does, does pop, pop up, up later up. on. It does. I'm just yeah. planting that for later on, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is hardly the inside man of podcasts. There, <laughs> why did he mention? Why did he mention the baseball card without a coherent oh, thought okay. or joke about yeah, it? There, yeah. this isn't like that. <laughs> but but um, there was a scene. There was one thing that I rewound. So basically, um, his daughter is painting the picture of the motel for the book. Again, all for the book. For a lot of cash tied up in this fucking book. And the New Yorker is the best advert you can possibly have for this book. Yeah, and he's. So the daughter is doing a painting. Gay's daughter is doing a painting of it. So she goes to Google Maps and the hotel's been leveled. It's gone. It's just an empty plot. 
So he rings up Foos, uh, Gerald, and tells him, this is the, Gabe tells him, like, oh, the thing's gone. And he goes, I hope, I think they've probably got a good price for it. They would have got at least a million dollars for it. <laughs> um, at least Let's we don't have to property work. property prices. Yeah. And, and, and Gabe's getting really wound up, isn't he? He's like, it's not what I fucking not phoned listening. you about, right? Yeah. I understand that that uh, that problem. <laughs> um, That's what I said. Go on. So <laughs> the one thing I'd have around us about three times now, I'll have to laugh to myself why after, because at least we won't have any problems with that those jerks. Right. Now the way he said it and you're hearing his end of the phone, it sounded like you said Jews. And I wanted, before I mentioned it on the podcast, to be sure that that's what he said. He didn't. He said jerks, but it took about a third time to hear the word jerk. But as if all that we've heard about this guy, like of just being a sex criminal, he allows murderers happening in his hotel, this and that, and to go, and he's anti-Semitic. <laughs> Can you fucking believe it? Well, because he, use, he uses jerks a lot, doesn't he? Um... Yeah, that's that, that reinforced it. And then they say, should you go and see the lot? And you see him talking to the camera guys, and he goes, is it worth a trip? <laughs> like, I mean, nah, I don't think so. Instead, just having these two old, like, three pensioners walk around going, yeah, they used to be right here. <laughs> that, yeah, that wasn't worth the fucking trip. Um, then you had Anita saying she missed the hotel, and she was in tears. Hang on, one second. Missing his, his, his daughter said something really weird. So his daughter was called Pamela Talisi. She's and she's painting this picture for her dad's book. And she says, yeah, so I'm painting this for uh, GT. That's what I call him. What the fuck's wrong with dad? Well, dad had a lot of promiscuous behavior back in the 80s. And where most people would try and keep it to themselves in-house, he publicized it within <laughs> <laughs> mainstream media and sold books about him cheating on his mother. So they've probably got a few. Okay. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, that didn't cross my mind. Fair enough. Okay, that's a that's again, a very good point. If you're a painter in New York and someone's offering to buy your fucking picture of a motel, <laughs> guess guess who's calling up GT in no time short? <laughs> I've, I've just painted eight slightly different huskies with Robert Durst. I don't give a fuck <laughs> whose money I'm taking. Ico, get over it. Then he turns around to him. So Gerald turns to Gay and says, that "I hope when this is all over, me, you, and Anita can be just as good friends." And I think. I don't think he's staying around your house anytime soon, Gerald. Like, I, I fucking wouldn't. And th- when he goes around his house, that to me is when the whole documentary changes. Well, the first thing that happens is he was wrong about the date yeah. of the purchase. Yeah. It was purchased in 69, not 66. That's an easy mistake to make, it seems. And, and again, you see a little bit of gear. You see a little bit of the person he might more be because someone knocks it. He goes, "Will he get that door?" Yeah, yeah. He, he got the date wrong. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't reset. He just like again, like you see, just that little bit of greed, that little bit of aggression, yeah. self-absorption. Because he's been writing this article right for thirty years, and it's freaking him out that it it might not be right. Because even one of the fact checkers are like, "Yeah, listen, something this doesn't add up. We don't find the." We can't find any news on the dead woman apart from she was dead in another hotel. He didn't buy the hotel until this date, yet his notes are all saying he started recording stuff here. Because um, Gerald, to me, seems arrogant enough that he'd be like, I'll just tell them this and it's that. Same kind of people that go like, oh, if this happens, I'll just sue them. And then that's the end of the yeah, yeah. 
rushing out. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of flippant. Oh, imposter syndrome is basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's it, at least you know about something. The more you think you know about something. Yeah, and yeah. Like so, he just assumed of how he can control the situation, and there there is little juxtapositions of like humanity you see with it that's interesting to watch of how that flips between the two of them. But um, the New Yorker comes out. Yeah, the article on, comes out. Yeah, yeah. And he's in Denver News that are, that they yes. do a story about, yeah. and they say. Don't fucking say anything. Do not say anything to anyone. The book comes out in July. And then the ringer's wife, and you can tell he loves he loves the attention. And he stares on the phone, and his wife's like, you need to shut up, Gerald. Gerald, I'm going. Gerald, shut up. Gerald, and he goes, I'm not saying any more <laughs> until, until July. Come, come, coming back then. Uh, and then... Uh, can you just tell me, can you just tell the listeners what you just did there to your Gerald impression? Because they didn't see the brilliant thing you did when you did that. Because that's how that's how old Gerald is. The way he moves the phone. Oh yeah, because he's old. He talks to the phone as if it's a mirror. Yes. So he, he was talking into the, the. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was oh, just so. That just defined his age completely. That's what set his age when he moved the mobile phone from his ear and talked. Yeah, talked into it like a mirror. Beautiful. And then he put it back to his ear to listen. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, yeah. And the um, there's a bit when he's at the top of the stairs. <laughs> Have you um, ever seen Phoenix Nights? Yes. Where, yeah, 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 yeah. Where he gets the accountant and he's like, oh, if we get upstairs, up the, oh. the things I'll do to you, yeah. Well, one of the original jokes of Phoenix Nights is, uh, which people missed and so they dropped it, was every time the camera cuts, Brian Potter's in a different position and implying that he can actually walk. He's not in the wheelchair. Oh. <gasps> So one minute he'd be in the wheelchair, the next minute he'd be in his mobility scooter, or the next he'd be sat there. Like, how do you go from that to that? You'll never see the transition. And the oh, idea was wow. that he could actually, he could actually walk. So he was yeah. like, was it Lou from Little Britain? He was like Lou and whatever the... Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, okay. So he's at the top of the stairs, and the first thing he does is, because he's trying to be annoyed, but he's so happy at the attention. Yeah. And he's like, um, he's got cameras in his house. They're asking because yeah. they're all focusing on him, right? And he goes, "It's all over every city. It's everywhere." And then, like Anita's family's calling her, and then, then he starts. Then there's like another thing he reads from the newspaper, and he gets really pissed off. And they're calling him like really a pervert, a creep, and he's coming down the stairs on this slow stair list with this <laughs> rant now. <laughs> What makes it funnier for me on the stair list is there's like a million creepy photos of him yeah. posing in sunglasses that he's coming past. Uh, and, he, and he basically turns around and he's livid because Gay mentioned his, his baseball, baseball card. Someone's going to come in and nick him. And he turns around and he says, I thought Gay was an honourable man. You don't mention another man's money. <laughs> That's where the line is. I've got no problem. Helping a woman get killed, spying on people, having sex, any of that. But you don't mention another man's money. Yeah, yeah. Gear refers to him as similar to the fucking uni bomber. <laughs> and he goes, you don't mention the Mickey Mantle rookie card, you <laughs> piece of shit. It's just very tough to get angry when you're on a standard stairlift. Because it takes so long. And I- then when you see, the more you see of his house, there was a little moment I had to go, all right, I'll start opening the curtains. This is. <laughs> I don't like how much this looks like my place right now. Well, because he says he doesn't like people. All that time spying yeah. on people, 
He's against humanity. Because he's heard them talk shit about their neighbours. And I, I love the fact he's annoyed at them, but he's scoring them on whether or not the woman climaxes or whether she goes down on the bloke. Yeah. The, um, but he says we're not neighbourists. I didn't even know that and was a word. You see the slimy side of Guy. I'm sorry, but you really do at this point because... What, you mean apart from when he him. spied with Gerald in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know why I'm apologising because he's trying to set up like he's a good guy in this. Yes. Fucking, for me, he's not. And, and it's weird that we point out that this guy's not like a good guy, even though this guy here is a monster. Like, you're still yeah. a problem. Because he's now trying to keep him to shut the fuck up to not ruin the book coming out. You can tell he's got worries that there's fucking problems with it. And he's sending him emails like, you are a man of courage. You have to stay strong. Like, I think he mentioned fucking Martin Luther King in one of these things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Stay like the course, those people. Man. And then this was a weird thing, right? So the police are coming. So I think, oh, great. He's going to get arrested for the shit he done. Yeah. And That's then they I go thought. in. And they went, we got a death threat. And neither of them could say what the death threat exactly. That felt like bullshit to me. Yes. Yeah. He told me that. No, because Anita goes, I answered the phone. He says, I'm going to give you a death threat. And, <laughs> and, and something. I couldn't hear him entirely. Was it the um, death threat person's first day at work? How'd you do it? I'm going to get my friends to come and give you a death threat or something. And for me, that is up there with uh, Timothy from Grizzly Man. Scratching the word "see you next summer, Timothy" yeah. into a branch, and that is like, ugh. and they also set up the camera for the police coming around, so they would have the footage. Yeah, it's inauthentic. Um, so and then there's a weeks away from the the book being publicized, uh, pu- published at this point, and then Gerald basically starts talking about gay, and he's got a certain perception of gay, doesn't he? He's like, all his friends are presidents, they're CEOs of companies, they're highfalutin. And it and he went, you know, we're just normal people. You're not a normal person, Gerald. I'm sorry to say that, son. You ain't. You're a fucking You're wit- a thir- you're a thirty year freak show book. Yeah, you're a peeping Tom who's who gay is cashing in on. Um weird thing is, gay is just a different side of the coin. He's the same as you. Um and and he the, backtracks on all of his complaining because he's putting on the tie because Gay's told him he needs to dress up yeah. and look smart for fucking pictures and shit. And Gay comes around his house and they have a chat and Gay loses his shit, man. And that's when yeah, you see the, the real person. Yeah, because they ask him a question when Gay wasn't there and they ask him the same question again. And Gay knows that like they're trying to shape up for, for I don't know, to make the peeping Tom look bad. Yeah. And he's like saying that they're not journalists, they're cameramen. Oh, that was so insulting, wasn't it? No, they're they're documentary filmmakers. You see him, he's very close to him when he's outside. He goes, if you say anything, they'll use that against the book and they'll try and expose you as a hypocrite. And then, because, then Gay, and I I did feel for him at this. There there was a little moment in the garden (laughs) that that, that just encapsulates, like, I have, being around this fucking John Merrick elephant man for the sake of this moment. If he, fu- so he's now, so he's basically there to babysit him so he doesn't fucking talk to the wrong yes. people and yeah, fuck yeah. up the whole book, basically. And they're in the garden and he, and get, and, and Foos turns around to him like a fucking adoring puppy wanting attention, going, Yeah, I'm more used to, you know, people not being able to see me and me being able to see them. And uh, Gay just goes, Great. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. It's nearly over. Have they have they agreed the jacket for the book? Good. We're almost out of here. 
Um, and then, and then after all that yelling, it's gear that fucks up. Yeah, it's gear that fucks the book up. And I felt for Gay on this. So he speaks to Paul Farhi in the Washington Post, and you don't again. You the Washington Post. We mentioned it earlier. It's up there with the New Yorker, right? Mm. It's a it's yeah. a a publication with merit. Um, and he said, Paul Farhi said, "Yeah, look in the article. It's uh, it, it, your facts don't add up, Gay." And Gay's like, "What?" He's like, yeah, the time he's writing about, he'd sold the hotel by then. Yeah, showed him the deeds and yeah. the ownership and all that. He sold it in, I think, 86. And Gay loses his shit, man, because then he starts swearing. And yeah, and, and swearing again, it's more. His ego, Fucking... It's his ego as a journalist yeah. ruins him as a businessman because he turns and goes, my book's down the toilet. And he said that to the Washington Post. Yeah. So then the Washington Post runs the story, my book's down the toilet, none of it's true. Yeah. And it becomes this really weird way. They're trying to be sympathetic to the peeping Tom pervert. That No, he was a pervert. Yeah. Buy his book. But Gerald said, I thought the book would sell, you know, five million copies. In the New York area. Yeah, you're not Harry bloody yeah. Potter, mate. You're Gerald Foos. You're spite on people having sex. Because he turns around, he rings up Gerald and says that my reputation is shot. Yours is too. <laughs> <laughs> He says about the uh, the Washington Post article, Gerald says, this article makes me look like a creep. And his wife says, well, you are. And he went, oh, I guess I am. Oh, fooey. They're on to me. That Gay Talisi man, though, he then, you see him getting a made-to-measure suit for his appearance on Seth Meyers to plug the book. Damn, that's a good yeah. suit, man. That is a good suit. It was. It was French and then cuffs. he does all the damage. Because when I was watching that, I thought he was going to bury Gerald, and he doesn't. He's, he's trying to resurrect the book because he says the Washington Post guy was wrong, and he yeah. was wrong to say what he said. And he says it, why? He said, actually, I've checked it out. Um, you're right, he did sell the hotel then, but the bloke he sold it to was his mate, who was also a voyeur and a pervert. Like, and he was where, where do you meet people like that with yeah. the same taste? Like, I mean, you were a comedy gig. That makes sense. What, what do they meet one another in the rafters of hotels? Hello, who are you? How the fuck does that happen? And that then it just sort of ended. Well, there was a weird part because it, there was a part when he's going through the reviews and he reads what he goes, oh, I've not read the reviews. So obviously they got them printed out for him to go through them. <laughs> so he reads a paragraph of it and goes, oh, I, I, if I was them, I would just say pull the plug. To get the book off the shelves. Like, what do you think people were going to fucking say about you? And the missus, she gans off crying and takes the, the radio thing off. And I didn't understand what she was shocked or surprised at. Well, because they said she was complicit. They said she is just as bad as her husband because she enabled it all to also happen. She was just as bad as Gay Talisi because they were all complicit in this pervert doing what he did, which they were. Yeah. And to me, it, the first half of the documentary seemed like um, you're getting an inside track on this pervert. And then the second half of the documentary was, yeah, please buy my gone. book. That's all the yeah, second yeah, half this... of the documentary was. Buy my book. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're glad that it doesn't go that well for him almost for, for Talisi in the end. Cause... Yeah. Because he should have shopped them in. If you think of all those people that had their privacy fucking violated between 80 and 80, whatever, and going on. But the idea that we're going to be like, 
Oh, he's never going to have a story truly told about how he would jerk off three times a night and have a fucking sandwich. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> that is an understanding wife. Are you finished? I kept, that sto- I kept those scorecards for four <laughs> years. <laughs> what do you say? He used to reduce the rates for the good-looking couples so they'd come back. Oh, for yeah. fuck's sake. Man, that's when you know you're ugly, when you're paying top rates at a hotel. <laughs> well, at least I'm not going to get spied on. Um, oh, it's just a disturbing... Uh, part of it, you just want to file down your retinas. But then saying that, it was compulsive viewing. It was a good watch. As, as, it was a good watch. Basically, it was a, a documentary of douchebags. That that's all I can say about it. Yeah, you see some good human humanity. In you that. do. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a good choice. So um, yeah, let's right, Rick, score it. I that that motel, that that style of motel, I've never trusted because if they're in a movie, nothing good ever happens in them. Yeah. Like in the early nineties and eighties, that's the one where like Arnie's wrestling with a henchman through a wall in there, or fucking you're hiding from the police and you're looking out the mirror, out the fucking window and hoping to get get away. It just, yeah, it was something. And the fact they never once mentioned the movie Psycho was weird to me. Well, not just that, right? So, uh, was it John? So on the IMDb page, I sort of. I looked at it, I looked at the bits I shouldn't have looked at by mistake, and basically Spielberg tried to buy the rights to Gerald Foos's life. Really? Yeah. Um, which was just fucking insane. But you say they didn't mention that film, right? But then there's another film, which is basically a a version of what happened at that motel. And then it just goes, it's called Bad Times at the El Royale. And it's got a proper all-star cast. So it's got um, Jeff... You would have to if a name is on the nose as that. Right, well, uh, Jeff Bridges, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Nick Offerman. It's just, yeah, it's well worth watching. But it's basically what would happen if Gerald Foose's hotel would, would have been seen. It's weird to want to buy the rights to his fucking life when you're like, how about I don't have him with a Daphne? I'm like, foos, and I just write the movie. Like, Rocky didn't have to pay off the guy who was clearly based on because he just changed three (laughs) things enough. (laughs) Like, the guy, because he knocked down Ali, and that was what made him famous, and that's what Rocky was basically based on. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Give us your score. Yeah, it was a four for me. I thought it was decent. Wow. Four, three, because again, it was good enough, but also it didn't overstay its welcome. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to match was, you. There, on there that. was some, yeah, yeah. there was some things that could have happened. Like, I'd like to see him either be arrested or, or, or something else happen. And again, you only, there's only one source to the stories now, but because he could the have fact been that he didn't cash in on it, but he could have been brilliant. liar, liar, pants on fire, right? It could have all been a yeah, it could have all been made up. But what a weird thing to make up. Like, if the pair of them had colluded to do that. Yeah. Just... But, it, it, again, could have been a hoodwink. Do you know what I mean? But they did actually... If Gay Talisi did actually go and do that, then enough of it's there that could be true. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'll match you and, on And that weird, that weird thing with the police, so they couldn't say what the death red just was and things. I like the way you've got a problem with that. That's really sticking in your craw. You're like, no, that's the problem. Yeah. The fact that they faked a death threat. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, but we did see Spiracy, and I talked more about the guy who'd been eaten by a shark than the actual <laughs> problem, so... <laughs> right, so that is a Discussing Documentaries 8. So thank you very much for joining in us. We've some... There's some great stuff coming up, right? Oh, we've got Studio 54. Yeah. Don't, don't you slip in there that I have to do one of your choices coming yeah, up soon there, man. It's coming, man. Uh, so, yeah, if you would like to select a documentary, that is one of the tiers on our Patreon it scheme. Is. Which, um, this is sounding more and more like the fucking Edison 2.0. It's going to be ready <laughs> soon, apparently. <laughs> I'm working on it, Rick. It's difficult on the carpet <laughs> side, okay? It's really difficult. I want solutions, Matt. I don't want to hear your fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm not Thank a you so much. Valley guy, you know that. Thank you so much for donating, and uh, if if you can't donate, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. We, we love it. Anyone just listens, but one thing that would help us out is uh, liking, subscribing, or sharing, or basically doing anything that we're currently very bad at is the marketing yeah. side. Leave a review; um, so that you, would really help us. If you don't want to give us money, yeah. just spend a moment typing in, you know, that you've enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't actually. Matt likes a review the same way Gerald Foos likes it when someone uses the magazine <laughs> so gets leaves behind in a hotel room. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm off to, yes, grab my retinas. Ta-da. <laughs>